On the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between, this is Brewers Weekly, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Radio City. Here's Matt Pauley. Here we go on a Thursday. Welcome in, everybody. It is great to be talking Brewers baseball with you. We are back. The Bucks have played a number of Thursday games. We're trying to figure out. It's been at least three weeks, maybe a month, since we last did a Brewers Weekly. But we are back with you this evening. Bucks are not playing as many Thursday games moving forward. So we're going to have a lot of shows coming up. And that is a very, very, very good thing. If you want to join us on the program, you can do so. Call or text on the Yankee Net Mortgage Talk and Text Line 855-616-1620. That's 855-616-1620. Or you can tweet at me. Find me on Twitter at Matt Pauly on air. M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. That's how you uh, find me. Jerry Augustine's going to be joining us in uh, just a few minutes. Some of the big topics we'll get to between now and 9 o'clock. Are we going to see Ryan Braun play again? Is Travis Shaw going to be the guy at third base? Brandon Woodruff, your opening day starter. We'll get into all that, but let's get into this week's edition of Going Deep. Baseball sure does have its ups. Deep left center, way back. Get up. And it's down. Here is a swing and a drive toward left field and deep. Oh, boy. No way. Too high. Too high. It is gone off the reservation. A grand slam home run for Haywood. Too high. He said me too high. Too high. And it comes in many different forms, such as when this happens. Gone! Ryan Braun! He just hit a walk-off out of here! And this. Little roller up along first. Behind the bag! It gets through Buckner! Here comes Knight and the Mets win it! There's a lot to this game, so we break it down. It's time to go deep on all things baseball. Here's Matt Pauley. This time in two weeks, the Brewers are going to have played a game that mattered. This day in two weeks, the Brewers are going to open up their season with an afternoon contest. Of course, you'll hear it right here on WTMJ. I'm a pretty positive guy, I think, generally speaking. Not 100% of the time. That'd be a little weird. But more often than not, I'm pretty positive. And when it comes to my teams, the teams that I either I cover or the teams that I am a fan of, whatever it might be, I generally look at them through the prism of what can go right. Now, once the season gets started, things can go wrong, and you can kind of adjust how you feel about things. But there's a reason that the term hope springs eternal exists. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I am just looking at things from too positive of a perspective, if there is such a thing. But I feel really good about this Brewers team feel really, really good about this Brewers team. And this is why every year when you go into a season, you need a bunch of things to go right. And if those things don't go right, it could be a bad season. And you kind of assess the the percentage chance of those things going right. Now, there's some things you can't control. If the Brewers suffer all kinds of injuries and and, and things like that and and they really struggle, there isn't much they could do about that. Injuries are certainly something that can completely derail a season. But when you look at what they really need to be successful this year, from a pitching standpoint, they need Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns to be the guys that they were. Really, you can say that probably about Brett Anderson as well. And then they just need to find enough from the next group of guys, whether it's Adrian Hauser, Eric Lauer, Josh Lindblom, Freddie Peralta. You look at those four or five spots in the rotation. They just need to be good enough. 
the bullpen has to be what we expect it to be, as the bullpen looks to be an absolute strength of this team. You go position by position. Yeah, catcher, you need Omar Narvaez to step back up. You need him to bounce back after a tough offensive season last year, but there's nothing crazy about that. Narvaez, historically, has been a very good offensive player. There's no guarantee that he's going to bounce back from last year, but there's a pretty good chance that he's going to. can say the same thing about Christian Yelich. He's got to bounce back. He's been an MVP. There's a lot of reasons to believe that there's a better chance that he's going to bounce back. Need a little bit of a bounce back from Avisail Garcia. A little bit of a bounce back from Keston here. We've talked about bounce backs this entire offseason. And maybe they don't all happen. That's fine. That's 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 that. Maybe even that's probable. But if enough of them happen, and we're not asking that some of these guys who don't have a track record all of a sudden become all-stars. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about guys who have track records being able to find who they were previously. If there's a question mark, it's still third base. Now, Travis Shaw, his numbers that he put up in Toronto last year, they'll play. If he can completely replicate what he did in Toronto in a 60-game season last year over a 162-game season, that's not a bad option at third base. Is it Travis Shaw from his first two seasons with the Brewers? No. But is it is it playable at third? Absolutely. We'll still see what's going to happen shortstop. With Orlando Arce and Luis Urias, it seems like the organization wants to give uh, Urias every opportunity to be the guy at shortstop. And if that's the case, maybe you see Arcia a little bit over at third base. I still think that Orlando Arce at shortstop makes the most sense, but we'll see how it all plays out. At the end of the day, though, you look at this team, and there's nothing crazy in what I'm saying. There are not a lot of holes on this roster, and in a season where not a lot of baseball teams got better. You can count them. Maybe on one hand, certainly you're not going to need all 10 fingers to count them. It feels like the Brewers are a better team this year than they were last year. And with that, you would expect that they once again would be in contention for a playoff spot. That is this week's edition of Going Deep. When we return, former Brewers pitcher Jerry Augustine is set to join us. This is Brewers Weekly. Back with more Brewers Weekly after this. Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Less than two weeks away from the start of uh, the Brewers season. This, this up, uh, not this Thursday, not next Thursday, the Thursday after that. They're going to be playing an afternoon game against the Minnesota Twins. And the 2021 Brewers season will officially be underway. Let's bring in former Brewers pitcher Jerry Augustine. Augie, this is always an exciting time. We are so close to uh, the baseball season getting underway. Yeah, it's it's an exciting time not only for our fans at home in Wisconsin, but even the players. They start getting that little itch to to really finish things up in Arizona, get the at bats, the, the innings that you need, and let's head north and let's get it started. It's a really exciting time in all of baseball. It it's really feels like there's an appreciation this year from the players because. In spring training, there's been some fans that are going to be that have been allowed. Once the regular season gets started, there's going to be limited fans. You would think those numbers are going to go up as the year goes along, but it really feels like more than ever after what they experienced last year that there is just a true appreciation for the some level of normalcy that is taking place right now in baseball. Yeah, you said it perfectly, Maddie. You know, you talk about what this these the baseball and all sports had to do during this COVID-19 pandemic. And, you know, everybody stepped up. They all, everybody did what they had to do. They finished the season. They had a great playoffs. And, but, you know, it still comes to being able to go to the ballpark and see the fans in the stands. I know I've been down to spring training games and 
just watching the players come out on the field, you see a little bounce in their step, and they are so excited about having fans in the stands, getting the season started, and as the season goes along, maybe more fans, and I think that's really special, and that's what the game of baseball is all about. Do you see any concern, and the Brewers have talked a lot about this, I've talked a lot about it on this show and other things, but are you concerned about how pitchers are going to be able to handle going from a season where uh, they played 60 games and the guys in baseball who threw the most innings over the course of the year were around 60 innings, and you generally talk about 200 innings as being that benchmark for uh, the top guys. Are you concerned at all about how arms are going to respond going from a shortened season last year to what they're going to go through this year? I think that's a concern throughout all of baseball. And, and if you talk to anybody in baseball, that is a concern because when you've got a season where you had a start of spring training, then you're off and you almost have another off season, then you start again, and then you only go into that 60 to 80 inning category, it's going to make a big difference. And uh, Chris Hook had talked about it. When he talks about this pitching staff, he doesn't so much talk about, hey, this is our, our starters, these are our middle guys, and these are our closers. It's about getting everybody except for probably – Devin Williams and Josh Hader stretched out a little bit because he knows it's going to not only take the starters in the bullpen, but taking guys coming up from the minors and helping this pitching staff out. So it all goes down to in big game of baseball, and it's extremely difficult because I've been there and I've started 30 games in a season and 33 games in a season. You get into that July and August, and it really starts to wear on you. And I think that's one thing that's going to be a very much a concern, not only with the Brewers, but all of baseball. Going back to when you were playing, obviously it's different now. There's a lot more science behind it, and you can quantify the impact of uh, innings pitched and pitches thrown on the arm. But even when you were playing, was there talk? I mean, were, were, was there any type of monitoring going on in terms of how much you were throwing and how much, you know, how many pitches, how many innings you were throwing, that sort of thing? Was that even on anybody's radar when you were playing? I don't think it was so much innings. It was just. How were you healthy, and can you could you go out and maintain every start? Could you go out and maintain what you needed to do? You know, back when back when I played, back when I played, it was when you got the ball, you didn't want to give it up. You wanted to pitch that you wanted to pitch that complete game, and so you went out and you did everything you could to pitch that complete game. We didn't have the middle guys and the short guys and all that stuff, so it's a little bit different. But now it's a little bit more. There's more scientifics in it. There's more guys with. You want to save arms, and you want to be able to everybody to go to the end of the season. And it, there's a lot more to it, and it really comes down to we know about the physical part of it. These guys are here. They're all big, strong guys. The mechanical part, they got good deliveries, and they got all the pitches to be good pitchers. But now you come into the science part of it, and that's that mental stuff place in it. And it comes down to being execution. It comes out to being a good sequence. Do you know what the sequence is? Do you know how hitters face you? Do you know how to adapt to those sequences? So bit, pitching has changed a lot. And I think with the changing a lot, you have more ex- experiments in how you use pitchers, and you see that a lot by Craig Council, who's done an outstanding job with the pitching staff. To me, it feels like the pitching this year, there's going to be a lot of reliance on Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns repeating what they've been, what Burns did last year and who Woodruff has really been now for a couple of years, and then getting that steady veteran and Brett Anderson, and then whatever you get out of the four or five starters, that's what you get, and there's going to be a bunch of different guys who go fill those spots during the course of the year. Do you agree with that, and do you feel like it's, it's likely that, especially with Woodruff and Burns, that they are going to be able to repeat uh, the success success that they've had? Well, I, I think they are. I, I think when the, one thing with the Brewers staff, 
you know, you're, you hear so much about five-man rotations. And it used to be four-man, but now it's five-man and six-man rotations. And you're going to have guys come up and get starts. Uh, Suter is going to buy and get some starts. And this is, they're going to need all these things. They need all these guys to come in and do their job and be extended. But I think when you talk about Woody and Burns, you talk about two guys that have the capability to be, of being number one style starters. They got extremely good stuff. They know what to do. They, they've all experienced success, both of them. But now, can they maintain that throughout the season? Can you, can you go in? And the third part that we talked about, that mental part is so important. And that's one thing I think Chris Hook does an excellent job at is keeping these guys on an even keel that, hey, we got to start now. Here's what we accomplished. Let's move to the next and see what we can do. And it's all about going out and executing, and understanding your sequence, knowing what people are going to adapt to you, staying away from big innings and just go on from start to start. It's going to be a challenge to both these guys getting 30 and 35 stars or, or thereabouts. But these guys are strong guys. They're, they're focused on it, and I think they're going to do a great job for the Brewers. Former Brewers pitcher Jerry Augustine continuing to join us here on Brewers Weekly. The question mark, the biggest question mark, continues to be at third base where there's a lot of uh, curiosity on what Travis Shaw will be able to give the club. And if he doesn't give what they need, you've got uh, an Orlando Arcia who could maybe shift over there. You've got a Daniel Robertson. You've got some other folks who are available to play third. What is, Shaw did not have a bad season in Toronto last year. He's been swinging it okay so far in spring. What is your expectation now, Travis Shaw? Well, I, I think it's Travis Shaw is Travis Shaw. And you can't take away from Travis Shaw what he did several years ago when two years in a row he had 30-plus home runs or 30, around 30 home runs. He had 100 RBIs. He's got that capability. And somehow he lost it and he got in a little bit of a big of a rut. And the next thing he needed to do, he needed to get away from from probably Milwaukee and get just a different look. And I think one thing with Travis Shaw is I think one thing you talk about feeling, he's a very good fielder. And then number two, I think he's starting to get the idea. He's feeling at home a little more. He's getting that confidence back and he, he's getting good at bats. We see him go deep in counts and understanding that a little bit. And that's what he did back a couple of years ago. So I look for Travis Shaw to be a big part of this ball club and really be able to come in and do a job that they need so badly at third base and, He's the kind of guy that can hit some home runs, drive the ball out of the ballpark, especially a place like Miller Park, and, and drive in some runs. And he's got a great relationship with Christian Yelich. Him and Christian are really good friends, and I think that has a lot to do with feeling at home, getting that new start. It really gets you in a, in a groove or a mode that you're going to go out and do well, and I think he is. I've always thought, like, the impact of a hitting coach, I think for most people, they overstate it a little bit. I don't think an average hitting coach really impacts a team in a, in a really, really big kind of way. But this is the time of year, and I specifically attached to Travis Shaw, when, when you're starting spring training and you're still trying to kind of redefine what you're doing from a hitting perspective, what can that hitting coach do for you at this time of year where you're going to spend some time on video, you're going to spend some time in the cage, maybe trying a few different things? Is, is spring training that time of the year where maybe that hitting coach does have the most impact? I think building relationships are the most important thing in all coaching. I don't think there's anything that you and I can talk about about the game of baseball is talk about relationships that you have with your players. Because once they have, you have that good relationship and they have confidence in you and they know that you have their best, uh, you want them to do the best that they can, that confidence kind of goes over. And now when you talk, you get that, that, that conversation, those big conversations you need on how to get better. I think everybody can get better. I think everybody needs those conversations. I think everybody needs a tune-up from time to time. 
no matter who you are in the game of baseball. And to have that good relationship and conversation that you can have with your players is so important. And I think that's going to help Travis Shaw because he's already talked about, I tweaked my at-bat. The next time I went out, I hit a home run that day. I saw the ball just a little bit differently. And those are the little things in, in coaching nowadays that the culture has changed here in Milwaukee, especially with Craig, because he understands that. He understands that you can't be great every day, but that relationship and confidence you build in your players, as well as them and you, really helps the ball club. Augie, we're uh, we're excited to be able to say you're gonna. You've always been part of the Brewers' extra innings post game show. You're gonna have a little bit more of an expanded role on the post game show this year. Craig Kishon is uh, obviously still going to be uh, involved, but we're gonna get you involved uh, even more than before, and uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. We're really looking forward to being able to have you on uh, even more this upcoming year. You know, Matt, you came came back here several years ago. Time goes so fast. I probably don't even know the number of years, but. You know, just like Craig Council came in, you came in and they gave you an opportunity to do extra innings. And you started a culture with extra innings that was carried out about instructing about the game and getting the fans involved and letting them ask questions. And let's add, they're not always great. And we all sometimes don't agree, but it's asking the question and allowing the fans in and be a part of the game that just finished. And you can talk about it because then you can go on to the next game. And I honestly have had the honor. I really appreciate that. I've had that honor along with Craig uh, to go in and, and have fun with you and talk baseball and have our laughs and chuckles and our disagreements. And this year, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm going to be a little bit more expanded, but I'm going to tell you what, we're going to have some great conversations. We might even get mad at each other once in a while, but we'll have our laughs, our chuckles, and we're going to be talking to fans, and that's what Brewer Baseball is all about. Last thing for you, Augie, I just got a text message from one of our normal uh, texters, uh, Mike in Colorado, who has Wisconsin ties, and he says in the text message that he was a student athletic trainer at UW-Lacrosse when you played there, and he used to make you soak your arm in waste buckets of ice water, and that you hated it the first few times, and eventually he you got used to it. Why did you hate sticking your arm in the waste baskets of uh, ice water, if, uh, if Mike is being truthful here? Matt, if I can be dead honest with you, I never had a sore arm. I didn't know what a sore arm was. I grew up, I was been very blessed. I didn't know what, I could pitch nine innings, ten innings, whatever it was, next inning, they play catch, and I never felt sore. So I thought it, was, it didn't do me any good. But after he told me, he says, just do this, let's see how it works out. And then uh, the coach came up to me, he says, give this guy a chance. I gave him a chance, and he became a good friend. And uh, I'll tell you what, he helped me a lot through my baseball career in lacrosse. All right, very good. All right, Augie, we'll see you a couple weeks, opening day. We're looking forward to it. Yeah, really looking forward to it, Matt. You have a great night, and uh, I'll tell you what, Brewers, Brewers Extra Innings is going to be pretty special. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds great. There's Jerry Augustine joining us here on uh, Brewers Weekly, and we appreciate him taking a few moments. And, uh, yeah, an expanded role for Augie this year on uh, on Brewers Extra Innings, which is going to be a whole lot of fun. Uh, is Ryan Braun going to retire, or does he still have a little bit of baseball left in him? We'll discuss it next. This is Brewers Weekly. Back with more Brewers Weekly after this. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Yankee Net Mortgage Talk and Text Line if you want to uh, join us. Ryan Braun joined the Brewers in camp this past week, just stopping in, just saying hello. He spent some time on the uh, radio broadcast as well. I'll tell you, people are continuing to, I've kind of joked about this, uh, people continue to ask me, what do I think is going to uh, happen with Ryan Braun? Do I think he is going to return or do I think he's going to retire? 
I really think it's a 50-50 sort of deal, if I'm being honest. And that's, I hate it when people answer that way because it's a non-answer. And we work in an area where we're supposed to have answers, right? I guess if I had to go 51-49 in a certain direction, I feel like he's still got a few at-bats left in him in Major League Baseball. Now, I continue to really, really believe that what is the two things that will most impact whether or not maybe he comes back for the home stretch getting signed in maybe June or July and just playing out uh, the rest of the year, maybe coming off the bench, getting some pinch hits, uh, pinch hitting appearances in there, whatever it might be. I think two things are going to really, and by the way, I am, I am under the assumption that there's going to be no DH in the National League. So that's not going to impact this at all. If all of a sudden, if it's the if it's next Wednesday, a day before opening day in Major League Baseball, and all of a sudden they're like, oh yeah, by the way, we're doing Universal DH. First off, that would be so Major League Baseball to change the rules of the game literally the day before the season starts. So until it doesn't happen, you can't say that it won't. But I'm assuming, I think I think it's a fairly safe bet that we are going to see pitchers hitting this year in the National League. So we'll put that off to the side. If the universal DH was in place for this upcoming season, I think there's a much higher percentage chance that maybe we see Braun come back. What What's going to play into this is, A, what life is like in Major League Baseball related to the pandemic. Last year, I just don't get the sense that last year was a lot of fun for guys. And I get it. They're out there playing baseball and they're making good money doing it. And there's a lot of people in this world who are in a lot worse shape than that. But at the end of the day, you're kind of used to certain things happening in a certain way when it comes to traveling, when it comes to uh, playing games and having lots of fans, all that sort of stuff. And while we are en route to some level of normalcy, it's not going to be completely normal this upcoming year. It absolutely won't be. And the restrictions that may or may not be in place on the road, it, it, you, you, you get into a city, you get on the bus, you go to a hotel, you can't leave the hotel. Major League Baseball literally had security in the lobbies of all the team hotels last year watching to see if any players broke protocols, and some did, and some got in trouble because of it. And you get to leave the hotel to get on the bus and go to the ballpark. That's the the restrictions that go along with that. When you're used to traveling and being in these cities and going and seeing things, I just don't think that's fun, especially when you're a guy like Ryan Braun who doesn't have a whole lot left to prove and has a young family and he can go be with them. So if if the restrictions ease up a little bit and then if there is a need on this team – I still think there's a chance that maybe June, July, all of a sudden it might make sense for him to return. Now, the big question is going to be health. He has said that while he stays in shape, he has not picked up a bat since the end of last season. He always has that process that he goes through uh, during spring training to be able to return. So what's that process going to look like if he tries to return in the middle of the year? Is he going to be able to take the time that he needs to take to be able to get ready? Last year, his body did not did not respond well to the start-stop nature of spring training and summer camp. The going starting spring training, ending it, 
coming back for a shortened summer camp. That did not do his body well. I'd love to be able to hop in the DeLorean, never have the pandemic for lots of reasons, but for a baseball reason, I would love to have seen what last year would have looked for him if it was a standard 162-game season and if it would have been a normal uh, spring training without the, the start-stop nature. I think the year would have looked fairly different for him. And uh, that's, uh, yeah, so there's no there's no guarantee that him trying kind of on his own to come back in the middle of the year that it would work out. He's, he is, he's easily leaving the door open, though, for a potential return. And we'll just have to see if the climate of everything in baseball works in a way that he would be able to return. But I don't Again, 50-50. If I have to go 51-49, I just feel like he's still got some at-bats left in him. And I think I'm hopeful, like a lot of people. I think I'm hopeful that as uh, the vaccine continues to uh, get distributed across not just Wisconsin, but across the United States, as hopefully we get to a point where the COVID numbers are low enough that we're able to really start returning in mass and that there is less, you know, players are getting vaccinated and there's less restrictions. If that is the climate, I feel like there's an okay shot that we could uh, potentially see him return for at least a home stretch. And I hope that's the case because... I don't want his Brewers career to end playing in front of nobody, which is what it was last year, where he's playing in empty stadiums every day. For a guy like Braun, who has accomplished so much with the team, I, I just I, he's I think he's deserve he deserves and he's earned the opportunity to finish out his career and getting those big moments, you know that that final time he walks into the dugout in the home ballpark, that sort of thing. Th- those are the moments that I want him to be able to experience, and I hope that happens this year. Probably a 50-50 shot that it does, uh, but I certainly hope that it happens this year. 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. It is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can also tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Can we trust Travis Shaw to return to maybe not exactly who he was for those first two years with the Brewers, but some version of it? We'll talk about it next. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. More Brewers Weekly coming up on WTMJ. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. The biggest question mark remains for the Brewers at third base. There are many options that are available, but are you going to get the production out of third base that you really desire from a spot on the field that you like to have some power, you like to have some uh, run scoring ability, run producing ability out of whoever plays over at third? It continues to look like Travis Shaw is going to be the guy. Uh, Shaw this past week was guaranteed his spot on the roster. He had a March 15th opt-out where if they would not have added him to the 40-man roster, he could have taken the opt-out and gone and signed with another team. I've said this before. With the early opt-out, essentially Shaw signed a major league contract. And that's... There's there's a big difference between having opt-out on March 15th and having an opt-out around the start of the season or maybe two weeks into the season. Those are generally when opt-outs are placed. With Shaw having that opt-out, I, I don't think there was a scenario where the Brewers were going to walk away from him on March 15th, barring just him just not looking good at all. Uh, it was always a scenario where he was going to be uh, making the big league roster 
And we talked about when we had him on our uh, on our Brewers Spring Training Special, which you can still be listened to at WTMJ.com on the Brewers Extra Innings Podcast page if you missed it. Uh, he, he said as much that yeah he viewed that that was a it was very important for him that if he was not going to get a major league contract in the offseason that he was at least going to get that early opt out and that's what he got the spring training numbers so far not great he's hitting 174 his OPS is at 693 he does have a home run he's got four RBIs you talk to anybody you listen to uh, Craig Council you listen to hitting coach Andy Haynes it, it certainly appears that they are happy with some of the things that they're seeing. At the end of the day, though, you want to see better numbers, but also, at the same time, spring training numbers don't mean that much. You don't put a whole lot of stock in what what a guy does during spring. They're working on things. It is more about how somebody looks as opposed to how they perform, if that makes sense. Now, that changes right away once the, once the season gets started. I could... I feel like, and I'm not trying to be dismissive of anybody's knowledge of Travis Shaw and what was going on with him uh, last year when he was in Toronto, but I do feel like people think that 2019, not all people, but some people think that 2019 Travis Shaw is going to walk through those doors. And in 2019, Shaw had a miserable season for the Brewers. He hit 157. Uh, the strikeouts were way up. He had 89 strikeouts and 230 at-bats. He's still going to strike out a fair amount, but his his on-base percentage was 281. His slugging percentage was 270. His OPS were 551. I think those were career lows in all those numbers. Just look, yeah, I mean, those batting average, on-base percentage, slugging percentage, and OPS, uh, that 2019 year was was a career low. So when you take a look at those numbers and then look at what he did last year in Toronto, he appeared in 50 games with the Blue Jays last season. He hit 239, not great, not horrible. In 2018 with the Brewers, he hit 241. That was his 32 home run year. So if you've got power to go along with a 240 batting average, you'll take it. His on base was at 306 last year. You'd like that to be a little bit higher, but again, he's always going to be somebody who's going to strike out a bit. His uh, OPS, which is really the number you look at, it was at 717. So that it wasn't quite to the level that he was in those first two seasons with the Brewers, where he had an 862 and an 825 OPS. But the numbers were 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 it was a significant bounce back for him last year in Toronto. When you look at 2019 and 2020 and just compare the numbers, 2019 with the Brewers batting average 157 last year with Toronto 239 on base percentage, 2019 281, 2020 306 slugging percentage. 270 in 2019, 411 in 2020, and then that OPS 551 in 2019, followed by 717 last year. You'd like for him to put up numbers that are even better than what he did in Toronto last year, but even if he puts up the the Toronto numbers, when you look, if he goes and hits 240, if he hits 20-plus home runs, if he drives in 60, 70 runs, I think that plays. I think he's a contributing member of the team and somebody that you can put out there most days at third, and you're still going to have the opportunity to try some other guys. I I continue to be really intrigued by Daniel Robertson. He is somebody who uh, I'm excited to see what he might be able to do with the club this season, and 
Um, yeah, that's just uh, there's going to be other guys who get opportunities at third base this year. It really feels like the team wants to maybe put Orlando Arcia over there at times to put uh, Luis Urias at shortstop. I don't love that. If of all, of all the possibilities that have been thrown out there, that's one of my least favorite ideas because I think Orlando Arcia is just so good at shortstop. It's always going to bum me out a little bit if I see him at third base when he could be playing shortstop. But that being said, there are going to be options at third. That remains, though, the biggest question. Uh, but I want to be clear that if Shaw repeats what he did last year in Toronto over a full season with the Brewers, if those numbers play out, he's going to – it's it's fine. It's it's not great, but it's not bad. It's, it's certainly good enough, and uh, it's better than maybe what a lot of people were expecting out of that spot even two months ago before they even started talking about the idea of possibly bringing in a uh, Justin Turner, which obviously did not work out uh, for the Brewers. All right, one more break. We will uh, come back. The Brewers announcing their opening day starter. Not exactly a major surprise, but you look at that top of the Brewers rotation and it continues to certainly be viewed as a strength. We'll talk about it next and wrap up the program here on WTMJ. More Brewers Weekly with Matt Foley coming up on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly with Matt Foley on WTMJ. Starting to wrap up this edition of the program. Can you believe it? Two weeks from this very moment, we're going to be doing this show, and we are going to be discussing opening day. Less than two. It's a. I was talking actually. Uh, here's a. Uh, here's just a shameless plug for my podcast, the Brewers Extra Innings Podcast. It is available at WTMJ.com or anywhere else you happen to uh, listen to a podcast. But if you do want to listen to it uh, through the website, you just go to WTMJ.com. You go to the podcast, you scroll down, you go to Brewers Extra Innings, and boom, you got it. Uh, Scott Warris, who you generally hear at this time, except on Thursdays or when sports are going on, I had him on this past week, and we were really kind of looking back at from last year to where we're at right now. And it's incredible how long these days have been, but at the same time, how incredibly quick it feels like this last year has gone. And maybe you don't feel that way, and I'm sure there are a lot of people who have been through some really rough times in the last year with everything going on, and you're listening to me right now and saying, no, Matt, you're wrong. This last year did not go by uh, go by fast. But it just for me, it feels like... This last year has been incredibly fast, even as long as uh, the individual days uh, certainly uh, certainly felt. But we're, I don't even know where I was going with that when I started uh, talking about this. But two weeks from now, Brewers uh, opening day, and we are absolutely, absolutely, absolutely uh, looking forward to it. We now know who the Brewers' starting pitcher is going to be officially. This is not uh, – this wasn't – this wasn't a shocker by any stretch of the mind, but uh, Brewers manager Craig Council did confirm earlier today that uh, Brandon Woodruff is going to be the guy to uh, start on opening day. He has certainly deserved it. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting once again to see what he and Corbin Burns can do at the top of the rotation. You know, last year there were questions about Burns. He didn't even start. It's amazing. Last year he's not even – 
certainly a starting pitcher when you, when you go into the year, and he was able to put together a really, really nice season. And now it just feels like with Woodruff and Burns at the top of the rotation, you got a couple stoppers right there that can be really big for this team this year. All right, that's going to do it for uh, the program. My appreciation to uh, Jerry Augustine for uh, joining us earlier on, and uh, we will talk to you again real soon for Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ. You've been listening to Brewers Weekly with Matt Foley on WTMJ.